The following was recorded on May 15th, 2020. A lot in the world has happened since that time. The horrible killing of George Floyd, the worldwide protests that have erupted since then, and the sad news of one of the pinball community's most loved and cherished men for all that he's given back to this hobby, the cancer battle that Steve Epstein is going through. None of that happened. When this was recorded, none of these things were known at the time. But I can't release this program without this disclaimer. And my sincere hope, prayer, and plea for everyone to stay safe. Thank you for listening. It's time now for another Pinball Profile. I'm your host, Jeff Teolos. Find everything on pinballprofile.com, including your new RSS feed, all past shows, a great history of the people that have come on this show. You can find us on Twitter and on Instagram at Pinball Profile. Email us, pinballprofile at gmail.com, and check us out on Facebook. Pleasure to be talking to a friend of mine, one of the best pinball players I've ever come across, Nick Zendeos joins us. Hey, Nick, how are you? Ah, uh, doing good. How about you, Jeff? I'm good. Things are, I hope, going well for you in New York City. Obviously, we've got some uh, scary situations there in the past couple of months, and we'll probably get to that a little bit later. But let's talk about pinball, because... That's why we're here. <laughs> that's it. That's it. With the Stern Pro Circuit and the Heads Up Champion being postponed, you are like the Eschert Lefkoff of the Heads Up Championship. You get to keep the title <laughs> for an extended period, just like he did for Papa 20. I feel it's like karma almost, because you know that's what I would always call him and say to him when I saw him. I'd be like, hey, what's up, longest reigning Papa Chan? I would never call him Escher after that. <laughs> he always gets a smile on his face. That's such a fun tournament, too. You know, I didn't know if I was going to be interested in that until I finally played in that, and I was like, this is amazing. I wish there were more of them. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's what I cut my teeth on and all the, the major pros that have been around, you know, I think. Um, it was, yeah, that's by far my favorite tournament um i would always make that i even i uh, told kevin martin once like i ran in and i was like i just flew here straight from china i have to have the record and instead of him going yeah nice job he goes oh sorry two australians came this year <laughs> what record are you talking about the, the flying, longest flight yeah the longest flight to get oh. the papa because I, I flew straight from china straight from china straight to pittsburgh one year sorry i left that part you flew straight from china to go to pittsburgh just to be at papa yes and those Aussies beat you. Oh. I thought I had it for sure. I'm like, this 20-hour flight's going to be worth it. <laughs> oh, well. But again, back to that heads-up championship. It's neat with the different tasks you have to do with two identical machines. Obviously, no two machines are completely alike, but it's pretty even, I would say. And it's intense, you know. Are you watching your own game to see how you're doing? Are you seeing how the person beside you is going to do? Tell us about that big win you had last March, the heads-up championship. Sure. You brought up a lot of good points. So that was one of the things I had to force myself to not look at the other player because if you're looking over the other screen, that's, you know, however many seconds or whatever it is that you're not paying attention to your game and what the ball's doing. So I saw a lot of people mess up that way. So I'm like, just look at your own screen. Whatever happens over there, I can't worry about, you know. So that was one. And then uh, just having fun, learning the strat as I go. Like, I ended up winning on Munsters, and Kaylee picked Raven. And I had I just learned it like earlier in the day because they had all those free uh, free play games on the side, and so we were just playing like monsters and all that stuff. And I I figured it out, and then when it came time to do it, I I did it like immediately almost. So you had to hit the ramp three times in monsters to be the first to do that. Uh, no, the monsters was Raven. So that's when you um you have to have uh what is it four four of the characters running, and then you have to get uh, Kitty I think twice or three times. 
Maybe twice, yeah. And then it's back. That's the last time I played it, so. <laughs> <laughs> you and I are both kind of puzzled. People listening who know Monsters like, you're an idiot. It's not that. I don't remember. I just remember Raven Multiball starts when you go up the left ramp a few times, but I can't remember if you need other characters first, but wow. Yeah, no, yeah. You have to have the, you have to have the four characters and then it turns the, the left ramp on for Raven. But that was the neat thing to an idiot like me in the Heads Up Championship. Not that I did well on it, but they told you, here's what you have to do. And what I loved is, here's how you have to do it. So it's not really about rules knowledge. Well, yeah, it's not a secret, yeah. I don't like those secret things. It's the one thing about modern games that drive me absolutely effing nuts. <laughs> well, that's the fun of learning, right? you got to figure out uh, what does what. But yeah, you're right. At a tournament, it's nice that uh, everyone's on uh, equal terms there. And, you know, you just see what to do and go do it. Even though you know sometimes it's not so obvious, you know, just reading it and actually doing it is... Two different things, too. Executing. And you took your win. You won a free machine. You had that nice stern key and uh, turned it into an Iron Maiden game. Indeed, yes. Uh, I'm very glad, too. I feel bad for the people, condolences, that are pinballless during this uh, unfortunate situation. But uh, I have my Maiden to keep me company. That's a good one to keep you company, for sure. Practicing my six-way combos. <laughs> I think I saw one of your high scores, actually. You put down Zen Fuchsius, uh for 56 combos. Now, you talked a little bit about it being in China. As a kid, you decided to move there, learn Mandarin, and become a translator? Yeah, yeah. That was uh, a fun time of life, for sure. You know, living abroad, seeing new stuff was really cool. I've never been to China. You met your wife in China. Beijing was very good to you. Yeah, oh yeah, a lot of fun. You know, I remember when I first got there, it was just like a completely did like exact opposite, you know, different place. Like everything was so different. It was incredible. But you learned a lot, you know. The people are friendly, good food. You know, it's huge. As big as America, bigger. Yeah, just so much to do and see and learn. It's just nonstop learning, basically. It was it was a great time. You did that when you were 20. Carson's going to be 20 in a couple of years. And I've told him, if you have the chance to travel, do it, especially when you're young, because it's harder to do when you're older, and it's mm -hmm. just such a great life experience. But he, like a lot of people, and probably me when I was that age, was like, oh, I like the comforts and the safety of home and things I know and where things are and how to do things, and this <laughs> is asked of me. I think I was scared to do that. I mean, how did you have the courage to do that at such a young age? What's interesting here, that perspective, I've never thought of much as courage, but although I do remember all my family telling me I was crazy, and they're like, what, you're going to do what? You're going to move to China. That's crazy. Luckily, my mom was supportive. But yeah, I just, like I said, I had a thirst for learning stuff, and I wanted to see a different place in the world besides, you know, America. I figured I'd been here enough, a good time, trying to see another perspective. So I just uh, jumped on a plane and went over. <laughs> well, I, like everyone else, hoping the borders will open up soon when everything becomes safe. But, you know, it is something that baffles me when I, I live close to the border. I'm within an hour of the border. I've pretty much been my whole entire life. And when I hear people in Canada that have never made it across to the States or vice versa. It just blows my mind. It's right there. It's a different country. It's a chance to see different people. We are right now confined within the four walls of this COVID-19 virus and self-isolation. But I said to my wife today, if COVID goes away, there's a vaccine and money's not an issue. What's the one thing you want to do when this is all over? Where do you want to go? We've been in the house for eight weeks now. We still luckily love each other. <laughs> but what would you like to do? And for me, it's travel. You? Yeah. Well, I mean, probably go home first. But yeah, that's traveling. So <laughs> combining both. Go home to Colorado. 
Correct, correct. Yeah, I see my mom and friends and everybody. So traveling and going home. It's a two birds, one stone. Yeah, for sure. So you were in Colorado, went to China, went to Colorado, a few places in between, wound up in New York, and you said you got the pinball bug kind of 2006. What was it for you that made you, first of all, such a great pinball player, but fall in love with this fun hobby? Well, you said great pinball player. I don't consider myself, uh, you know, so, so exceptional. I'm decent, you know, I can uh, keep the ball rolling, but I appreciate that. Wait a second. Wait a second. Everybody listening, there are thousands of people listening to this podcast right now. Everybody put up your hand if you've won a pinball machine at a pinball tournament. Less than five. <laughs> Go on, you so-so player. Yeah, basically, um, I saw a flyer at uh, on the college court board at local college at the uh, University of Colorado, and it said, pinball arcade with, you know, 30 pinball machines. Bring this in for, uh, you know, like however many quarters free plays. And I was like, oh, this is baloney. This, there's no pinball arcades. This doesn't exist. And uh, I finally came up to my buddy Adam Higgins, who drove up there, and he called me. He's like, there's really an arcade with 30-plus pinball machines in here. you got to check this out. And we went and saw it, and I met cool people like Donovan Stepp and, uh, you know, the Lefkoffs and Kevin Carroll and Carol Quirrell, of course. And they were all incredible, super welcome, and made it really fun. And, you know, they say, hey, there's a tournament. I'm like, there's tournaments? And I went to tournament, there's like, there's a league. I'm like, there's a league? I guess I'll try that. And then they're like, oh, let's go to this crazy biggest pinball tournament in the, the world every year, Papa. And then, you know, you go step by step from there. You know, it was like tournament league, Papa, and then you just get the bug from there. Cool people, pinball super fun, just gets addicting. Was that arcade one-up Colfax? The one-up, yeah, that started a little later. Like I was, I think that was 2010, maybe, 2009. Might be a little I've been to a few of the arcades in Denver. I was really impressed. I mean, I can see how the bug really took over in that city, that state. You mentioned Donovan and the Lefkoffs and the Higgins. and The Carrolls, for sure. For sure. And pinball is just so huge in Colorado. But it's funny that it's in a pocket like that or in Pittsburgh or other small places when you think, oh, it should be in Chicago or it should be in New York City or LA, the big cities. But I guess there are just other options to do in those bigger cities, and maybe that's why pinball gravitates to some of these smaller, not, I mean, Denver's not a small city by any means, nor is Pittsburgh, but sure. some of these smaller compared to big metropolises. Yeah, yeah, it's nice. I mean, like I said, being from there, I never thought of it that, like, a smaller order, but definitely now, you know, New York is a whole different place. But, yeah, I remember when the only place in Colorado was just Lions, and we'd drive, like, 45 minutes, you know, each week, sometimes twice just to go play pinball, so it was, in a, it was incredible. But yeah, then later came the one-ups and different bars and this and that, and now it's packed. I still can't believe every time we go back, like uh, almost every brewery or every other brewery, which there are hundreds of, has a pinball machine or more. So I'm always impressed by that. Let's hope we get back to that, and I'm sure we will, but uh, you mentioned about playing in Colorado. You've been playing for 14 years competitively on IFPA, and... Wow, really? There are people listening right now that have never been to competitions. Well, I've been to a lot of competitions, but I look at some of the ones that you've been, and I've always wondered what they were like. So I'm going to run a few of these down with you right now, and, and you can tell me about, first of all, if we're talking Colorado, tell me about the amazing thing that Trent Augenstein says is the best tournament, Dory Hill. <laughs> yeah, Dory Hill Pinball Campout advertises the highest pinball tournament in the world. And then, <laughs> <laughs> you know, it, it has, and he always accompanies the height. I think it was like 9,600 something, something. I don't have it memorized, but you know, almost 10,000 feet. 
Um, so yeah, you're right. You're up in the mountains. It's at a campsite. There are cabins, you know, there's, you can also just tent it or, you know, really go in the wild, but there's a, the cabins have electricity and everyone brings, it started as a little local thing and now it's packed. People bring pinball machines. There was like 30 something, maybe 40 pins last time I was there. And yet you're still outdoors and everybody's just camping, grilling, cooking, you know, having some beverages and just having fun together. Oh, it's a weekend long and it's just super, it's really fun. It's just, that's the main thing. It's probably, it's, there's a tournament, you know, there's better probably tournaments, like, you know, the big ones and stuff, but the whole package, it's just fun and people are really having a good time and it's a very uh, relaxed, jovial environment. Having a good time, having a few beverages. Come on, Zen, we know what state you're in. We're in Colorado. There's other things going on, but we'll leave that right there. But, you know, it's funny because that's a tournament I think I could get my wife to go to because she loves, loves, loves camping. So that aspect of it, I think, you know what? I'm going to circle that one on the calendar in the next few years and get out there and bring my wife. I bet we have a blast. Yeah, definitely. I mean, people bring their whole families every year. I, you know, when we lived out there, I'd take my uh, family out there. And there's the McCarthy's and, uh, you know, various people have, they bring their dogs, they bring their family, they bring their, you know, whatever. <laughs> All are welcome. So that's Story Hill. Tell me about Pin Mania, another great tournament that I've got to get to one of these days. Um, well, I only went to Pin Mania once. And I'm a little biased. I want to say I probably had more fun than everybody else there. <laughs> <laughs> but it's, yeah, it's just super cool. It's in, uh, JR's house and he's has just, he has like a, a little barn on the side with, you know, a good 20 something machines. And then downstairs is loaded with like all these sweet old valleys. I think he has a whole row of, uh, it just goes from, you know, from, uh, Electra, Flash Gordon. And then he had one of my favorites, which is Hot Doggin. Great game. Great game. Yeah. I don't want to say that's what gave me the uh, the victory, but it definitely helped. Because I was uh, just money on those targets on the left. It's, that was a lot of fun making that shot over and over. So you win it, but you've only been once. What's going on? <laughs> well, you know, I had to uh, I had to at least keep uh, keep keep even kill with, uh, you know, Josh. He was, <laughs> he's the previous winner. Wow. So it's definitely not a major. Okay. Uh, but no, yeah, that was super fun. I remember the final round. It was myself, uh, Joe Lemire, Steve Bowden, and a local gentleman. And I remember the games. It was Avatar, and I won on uh, Flash Gordon. Uh, Avatar, Diner, and then Flash Gordon. Sorry. Nice. Tell me about Pinvasion. Pinvasion in Atlanta. That's uh, Brian Broyles tournament. Brian, who looks after Portal Arcade. Yeah, that one is real. I was really sad to see that one go away. Um, cause that, I think it went two years maybe in a row. Um, but it's super cool. It's in that nice big, what is it? A Ramada or whatever. It's huge. Like, you know, the, the big, like super plot, uh, side, like a really big size, you know, but it's my favorite because my favorite thing is when the, uh, hotel is in the same, uh, the rooms are in the same building as the tournament. Oh, I totally agree. Right. And I think you and I had a, one of those late night experiences at the Louisville Arcade Expo. Like at five in the morning or something. <laughs> There's a lot of those. Yeah, yeah. I remember that one. Those are the best. People don't understand. You know, oh, I'm not into competition pinball. Really? How do you like to have fun? It's not even about, first of all, do you like pinball? Yes. It's a chance to play pinball over a bunch of days. There's shows, there's people. And then there's the other things too. And that's what, like, we just did a show on final round on the pinball network, Marty and I, where we did the show completely hammered because <laughs> that was kind of our way of saying, you know what? We missed a couple of Stern Pro circuits in May and 
This is what happened. So we had a little pinball competition. There was drinking involved. It was fun. And we were all fine and safe and at home. You talk about these hotels being connected to pinball tournaments. Those are the best. Yeah, any any tournament you don't have to drive in order to get to is my favorite kind of tournament. (laughs) The less travel required to get tournament is the better. Speaking of great, incredible tournaments, you have to be excited. I'm excited to hear that in 2021, Papa is going to be returning. Oh, yeah, that was uh, really good news. You know, I'm not sure what it's going to return like because, you know, it's not the same building and all that, but uh, I'm hopeful. And I know those uh, the Pittsburgh guys are awesome, so, you know, they can get it done. If they, anyone can make Pinburg happen from year to year, then, you know, they probably could do anything. Because <laughs> that's already incredible, so. Fingers crossed, 2021 is going to be a spectacular year. I saw you recently do a little COVID documentary with Jeff Rank in Colorado, and he kind of Zoomed or Skyped his buddies and, and talked pinball. It was great to see you on there with others. Donovan Stepp, I think. I think Fred Richardson was on there. What I learned about you was your favorite games in different eras. So let's go over those right now. What's the big thing for you about Surf Champ? <laughs> uh, yeah, I've, I've talked to many people about this. I'm sure they know. Um, Surfer is the one I started on, which is the, you know, Surfer and Surf Champ are the two and four player versions. But, you know, I think the thing that makes pinball fun is always having more options, you know. When the ball is trapped on a flipper, you know, where should I shoot? And if, usually on EM, it's just random or, you know, you're just keeping the ball alive or into these ridiculous targets or stand-ups. Or, and if, so on the surfer, you have three options. You can play three strats. You can go for the upper lanes, particularly the lit one, because you get uh, the lane gives you a 1,000 bonus, but if it's the lit one, it gives you 2,000. Um, some people play for the spinner, just like, that's not my favorite strat. I don't usually use that one. But some people just like the spinner and just keep shooting it and hope the ball go, bounces favorably around. And then other ones you can do are play for the scoop and the targets. So I think Surfer is great for an EM because there's so much variety and uh, options to do when the ball is on either flipper. I think you sold me on it. I think that sounds, <laughs> yeah, no, you, you know, I never really put those kind of perspectives into it. It's There's a lot of great EMs for me. I just, it's fixing them is the, <laughs> the one area I'm like, uh. That is the tough part. Uh, but yeah, there's a lot of strats on Surfer. If you ever want to, you know, want me to point something out to you, let me, I'll show you there what's going on. Done and done. You know, I'm going to. Another game you mentioned was your Solid State, and it's pretty EM-like, and it's a game I love too, and I don't hear many people talk about it, but I was glad to hear you say you loved Sinbad. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was just talking about this with, um, you know, Levy and Paul and Greg and those guys the other day. I love it because it's brutal. Yeah, I was going to say, there's a fine line you walk on that between just nasty, brutal drains and then, like, actually... Getting a semblance of control, you think you're getting it. But, you know, it's real satisfying to go from getting the one target to the two to the three, four, and if you get that lucky to get to the five red ones up on the top. But, yeah, it's a great four flippers, and it gets real scary, you know. A lot of double flipping I see people do. Even myself, I've done it once in a while. But, yeah, that's a good one. Now, there is a game that tries to lure you into, hey, look at this beautiful spinner right here. Forget the spinner. Oh, yeah, never shoot that spinner. Only at a bailout shot, maybe. <laughs> And then you kind of were back and forth between your favorite modern game. One you have, and we talked about how great Iron Maiden is, but the other game that you love, I love too, ACDC. Zen, I got to tell you, here's what COVID-19 did and the stay-at-home orders. I've been playing the hell out of that to finally, finally, just last week, get to Encore. Oh, you did it. Finally. Wow. Tell me what it's like. I had extra balls on. You had to get the combos. I think it's all Five factory. Uh, no, three ball. <laughs> three ball. 
three ball, but I did earn two extra balls. And I'm trying to think how I did it. One was the combos and one I think was just, I have a pro version. So I think hitting either back and black TNT or rock several times, I think that gave me an extra ball. So there were two extra balls. Uh, actually, I think there were six because I think one of the things and stuff was an extra ball, if I recall. So do not listen if you don't want to know. Don't listen because I didn't want to know either. No, oh, I've, 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 I've uh, seen it by now. I haven't done it myself yet, but uh, okay, one of these days. So my son is with me, which is, you know, pretty cool, pretty proud papa moment right there for me. And he's seen me try to go after this and just be stuck at eight, nine songs, eight, nine songs. I'm like, oh, God. So ACDC, I started at the bottom right-hand corner of the jukebox, Let There Be Rock, because I wanted You Shook Me All Night Long to be the last one, because by the time you get to the 12th song, that's a lot of pop bumpers to, to light that song. I'm like, oh, forget that. I'll never be able to do it. Here I am years been going okay i gotta get my war machine shot in acdc so i better go left orbit i gotta get my let there be rock i better go right orbit i've gotta get hell's bells all these different shots i'm trying to hit when really i should just be starting a damn multi-ball and then doing it during multi-ball mm-hmm. definitely so that's kind of what i did a little boring you know i i basically said to carson my son i'm gonna shoot three shots the two ramps and the bell that's it those are my safety shots maybe the left orbit but it comes around the right so quickly. Eh, I don't know about that. Good strap. Finally, I get to it. So I've completed the 12th song. I'm like, this is great. And I'm looking to select my song because you got to go back into things and stuff. And I don't see Encore. I'm like, what the hell? So I had to start You Shook Me All Night Long again. Oh, man. Only because I'm an idiot and didn't press to the right flipper one more time to get to Encore. Oh, you didn't scroll through the whole I didn't scroll options? through. <laughs> Oh, man. So I had to do another one. And then, luckily, thankfully, I got back up. I thought, okay, this is stupid. Oh, there it is. I needed to scroll through. Got it. <laughs> Finally. Well, hey, that gives you a little more credit then for uh, doing one thing extra, more difficult to get to it. No, it means I'm stupid. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, so I get to it. And then basically, again, give yourself about three minutes if you don't want to hear this. Fast forward. <laughs> you have to do all the songs again, kind of. In the order in which you completed them. Okay. Because I started with Let There Be Rock, I had to hit the four rock targets on the right and then go to the next song. And you get three balls to do it. So you're not in multi-ball ever. Okay, yeah. But you get three balls, three chances to do it, and then you get a huge jackpot if you do it. I didn't complete that, so I didn't complete it. All right, so you got something to shoot for now. It's so freaking exciting. I, I was like, okay, you know what? I'm getting a little bummed out by not being able to do it. But when you get close, and you're like, okay. And now that you've had that little look at it, you've got to get back there. So I was thinking of Carl D'Angelo and what he's doing on IE Pinball and the mm-hmm. madness of Big Buck Hunter and Pirates and all these games he's doing. I get it now. It's incredible to watch. I, I love watching those little time ones. I really, I really like watching the Maiden one, of course, you know, the 900 million combo. Yeah, Carl hitting that 900 million, for God's sakes. So cool. It's amazing. Yeah, definitely. I finally got the six-way combos down. I just got to add the the three-x scoring. What's the order of the combos on the six-way combo for those that don't know? Of course I know. I'm just asking for other I'm asking for a friend because I have, of course. I mean, you can technically do it any order. Oh, okay. I didn't know that. (laughs) You just can't repeat a shot. Um, So, But I do it the way that Carl showed on his stream, which is, you start with the upper mini left flipper, the upper mini left flipper, hit around that loop. You let it come down, drop catch, or you can bounce past depending on which one to go for. I uh, drop catch it, send it back up the spinner, then around the loop. Then I let it come back down to the right flipper, and then left ramp, uh, right ramp. And then you can right ramp 
hopefully either you stop it or just straight on the fly into the spinner and that's your times three x combo how cool is that yeah well thanks keith (laughs) (laughs) i was thinking with this isolation players are going to be way better than before if they've got a game well there's always this that's always the constant argument right the barroom uh hero or the basement man cave hero versus you know going out and playing in a tournament it's a little different what makes it different is the settings too so if you have games set up pretty easy at home to get to these wizard modes yeah you're going to have a nice smack of reality when you get out and play in competitions yeah i mean i always go by what uh yorian engelbrechtian said i think it was at chicago expo some years back he said learning to play tournament pinball is actually it's a trainable practicable thing like a skill that you can do not just like flipper skills but you have to learn to play in a tournament because that same thing people can be really good at their local bar their home or wherever but when you're in a big tournament and the money's online and your ball's trapped and you got to make a pressure shot that's a whole different thing we were talking before we started recording as we're skyping right now you were looking at some of my games and you and i are in the minority Oh, yeah, your your collection. You saw The Simpsons and love it like I love it. A lot of people don't get that game. Yeah. You don't have to sell me on it. That game will never leave my house. Oh, yeah. I, if I, I would definitely, if I could find one I could own, you know, for a reasonable price, I would I would get it and never sell it. Um, yeah, it's super, It's just, uh, it's basically just super deep. A lot of shots, a lot of options, cool toy. I mean, you know, great theme if you like The Simpsons. Great sounds. Yeah, the whole package. It's a great game. Have you gotten to the end on that one, uh, Jeff? Have I gotten to the end on that? I haven't even completed Alien Invasion. What? Come on. No, I, I get to the five balls. I can't lock all five. I've tried staging. I No, I completed ACDC Simpsons Next. There you go. I think I've done it twice. Jeez. Definitely once. Alien Invasion or the whole thing? Uh, Alien Invasion. Okay. I completed it maybe twice ever. The whole thing I've gotten, I've gotten to within... Everything completed except for three out of five super jackpots. And that would have done it. Jeez. So the super jackpots are always, in my opinion, is the hardest thing to do. Again, another thing watching Carl. I'm going to have to get Carl on here. We'll have to talk about this because I say players are going to get better. Guys like Carl are going to be just ridiculous. Oh, yeah. Well, I always tell people, too, you know, Simpsons is kind of what kind of elevated my play from a level where, you know, I was kind of stuck maybe like B and then I think into A. I remember for starting, I would watch uh, Dean Grover, Adam Lefkoff, Donovan, and those guys. We'd play four-player game, and they'd get like 20, 30 million. And that blew my mind. I was like, wow, how do you get 20 or 30 million on Simpsons, you know? Because I was getting like three, four, five, ten, maybe. I thought it was a huge score. Now, you know, now it's like you got to get 200 million, and then maybe I'll blink an eye. <laughs> it is a great game. Zen, the reason I wanted to talk to you is, well, one, I miss you and all the other pinball players. Uh, we certainly compete quite a bit, and... Uh, You're a fun guy to be around, and you went through some hell just recently, and a lot of us are certainly feeling the impact. Hopefully, it's not physically. Hopefully, it's not mentally or financially, but you got hit hard, and you and your wife both contracted COVID-19. So I remember when Tom Hanks got it. That was the kind of first hit home thing. Oh, I know that person. Well, a lot of people know Nick and others that have contracted this, so maybe this will give it some perspective that this is a bloody serious pandemic, and uh, you went through hell, didn't you? Uh, I mean, yeah, it was uh, you know a rough a rough time dealing with it. I'm glad to be you know thankful to be better recovered. But yeah, it was just it wasn't really as a severity during because I definitely you know other people have worse symptoms. Uh, luckily, mine were pretty mild comparatively. Uh, but just the length of time, you're just so tired. 
and achy, you know, and you got fevers all the time. Uh, pretty much lack of appetite. I didn't want to eat. Uh, thankfully, no, I didn't have any cough or lung issues. But yeah, you just, you keep, you just stay sick. That's the worst part. Like, you think you'll be better. You're like, come on, come on. It's already how many days? I got a bit better. And you just keeps, it's just still there. So. What was the first symptom you felt that mm, something's not right? Uh, like I said, I think it was definitely, I mean, definitely fever. And then like muscle aches, like, you know, why am I so achy? I didn't do anything. And then, um, yeah, loss of appetite and the, the lethargy too. You just like, you feel like you're wiped out. Like, you're like, what did I, what happened? What I didn't run a marathon today. Why am I having no energy? And I'm usually like, you know, bouncing off the walls. But for me, I, when I am like, can't get up or don't want to get up, it's, it's a big deal. So. So you're really kind of limited. There's not much you can do. And then to make things worse, your wife also contracted it. And you also have a young daughter. Yes. So what's going through your head at that point? Well, I mean, we, we pretty much, my, my wife and I got it same exact same time. And uh, where, you know, our biggest thing was just to keep our daughter safe. So just quarantined her in a room basically for 14 days, which is tough, you know, because you want to talk to them and see how they're doing to make sure they're, you know, still staying well, you know, physically and mentally. But yeah, then just you're just kind of trying to keep everybody safe and healthy as much as you can, you know, taking whatever medicine you're supposed to, staying inside, you know, keeping washing your hands, keeping us. But it's funny, we, me and my wife would cook with like a mask and our gloves on, just because we, even though the food's cooking, you know, you still are afraid of a uh, contamination some way. I've heard of a lot of people and friends of both you and I and, and the pinball community in New York City that have gone through hell. I'm hoping the worst is behind us, but. I get the difficulties. I get that it sucks that we are eight weeks now home. We're getting hammered financially, mentally, hopefully not physically. And that's why we are home. And I just think, you know, whether it's you, me, losing our shirts money-wise because of lack of work or whatever the case may be, all the money in the world doesn't buy you great health. So that's kind of the foundation. I want to stay healthy. We'll worry about the rest later. What's your perspective on this when you see concerns about, you know, we got to get back? Yeah, I mean, you see people and it's just almost unbelievable the way they, they react and stuff. I mean, as somebody who's been sick, you know, I had to stay in and I knew the reason. So it's, you know, it's real close to home. I, I can understand for some people that maybe don't know anybody that's had a case or don't see anybody. So they, um, they might have to tend to overreact. But I mean, yeah, just think about all the terrible things that people have had to live through. I mean, staying home in your awesome 2020 place where you have how many screens and you have access to infinite entertainment and information and you can get food and whatever delivered to your door. I mean, people in the past, through whatever wars and terrible things that humanity's went through, they've had to do all that. But no electricity, you know, or no sanitation. I mean, it's kind of silly, the reaction that people have, in my opinion. Because when you're, like you said, if you're sick, you know, have your health and nothing else matters. Going back to when we were first talking on this podcast, you talked about as a young man going to China. And one of the things that really, really upset me was calling this the China virus and the incorrect inaccuracies of comments that were made. You've spent a lot of time in China. You met your wife there. You started a family because of your time in China. I have yet to go. Tell me your thoughts about what's going on in China and this inaccurate perception. I think it's always going to be, you know, it ends like that just from the time I lived there and the time to hear, you know, I'd, I'd see like a, you know, a news report from home would say something. And then the Chinese news report is exactly the opposite, you know. So it's always, you know, one guy's the good guy and one side, the other guy's the bad guy. Uh, that's, you know, always a portrayal. And it's, the truth is somewhere in between. But 
just I think racism an easy, is an easy escape or easy scapegoat for people. So it's probably a shame that they've maybe never been out or met other people or know the difficulties of life. I mean, I probably learned more in five years in China than you know I did in all my time in school. Just from you know how difficult life can be or to you know how wonderful people can be in a tough time. So you know there's different kind of people everywhere, good and bad. And China's the people there are no less. You know, think what you think, want to think about the governments. You know. I don't love sure. American government. I don't love a lot of governments, but that's something aside from I think that's a lot of people have a hard time understanding is a side, setting aside a government, a country to from people, right? Exactly. Like if you're just you're Joe and he's Tom and there's Karen, you know, every country has that. You're just living your life. You're not a you're not involved in major decisions of these kind of ramifications, you know. So a disease happened, unfortunately. That's where it started. People want to think what they want to think about how it started.、Uh, and unless you're like a top scientist and you've had empirical evidence of what happened, then you know I don't think you should speak. But I guess people will get antsy from staying in their room watching、uh, TV and whatever all day for a month. Yeah, that was the one thing I was kind of hoping when we were asked to stay at home and were asked to not be a burden to the healthcare workers and the hospitals and let them prepare for this pandemic. I thought. Maybe we would all be in this together and a little less selfish. And if we all are healthy and if we're all going to be able to survive this, we have to work together, as opposed to me, me, me. And unfortunately, some people don't think of the ramifications of what this can do to others, like yourself, like your family, having to go through this horrible, horrible COVID nineteen. And yeah, we can do better as people. I was hoping. I still think we can. I think a lot of us are, but we're not out of the woods yet. Yeah, I agree. I mean, you see a lot of good stuff with the bad, and vice versa. And you know, all you can do is you know try to talk to people that you know are within your network of people and be like, hey, you know, be smart, be respectful. You know, there's a lot of people that are really suffering compared to what boredom is, which is basically the symptom that people that are complaining about. I mean, I'm a father, and I'm sure you know too. If my kid comes and I think, well, I'm bored. I'm like, you have every Every access to every kind of entertainment and information ever, and you, if you tell me you're bored, that's insulting. Because you know we had to grow up with books and phones, and we weren't given everything. So you learn to appreciate what you don't have. You've got a roof over your head. You've got food in your belly. You've got clothes on your back. Yeah, boredom is nothing. It could be a lot worse. Yeah, I do feel for the kids too because it's a different perspective, and there's the more mental aspect for the kids too. But、uh, we'll get through this. And thank you for sharing your insight. Of what it did to you and your family to maybe let people kind of realize, you know, this is something you don't want to wish upon your worst enemy, let alone your friends and family. Sure, definitely, and I think it's a good thing to know too. The、uh, we were talking about earlier is the the difference of symptoms from person to person. So, like,、uh, I think we were saying that you know most people think it's、uh, coughing or something wrong with your lungs or shortness of breath, and my wife and not neither my wife or I suffered.、Uh, Any kind of shortness of breath or lung symptoms, but the fevers can do damage too. So I mean, that's certainly not something to take lightly. Oh yeah, I mean everything else was horrible, but just that was something I was surprised because you know that we were positive because they said that's one of the initial symptoms of it. So Zen, I'm glad to hear you're on the road to recovery, and I hope the same for your wife and family as well too, and and hope to see you safe someday, very very soon. Also, I likewise, man. I hope everyone stays、uh, healthy, happy, and at home, and、uh, let's get through it. Next pinball tournament. <laughs> you got it, Nick. Thanks very much. Yeah, cheers, man. 
This has been your Pinball Profile. You can find everything on pinballprofile.com, including the new RSS feeds, all past episodes. Find us on Twitter and on Instagram at Pinball Profile. Email us pinballprofile at gmail.com. And don't forget to check out our Facebook group. I'm Jeff Teolis. Music.